All right, good morning. Welcome to the Church of Malvern. I'm glad to see you this morning. Um, I, uh, I love watching um, weather roll in. I enjoy that a lot. I don't know if uh, you have ever just sat outside to watch uh, a wall cloud come through. Um, I enjoy that. I, I love seeing that. I, I love experiencing that. Um, and as that happens, I realize that that is a powerful force. Um, a storm is coming in. Sometimes if I know a storm is coming, if I've been if I'm going to take a trip, if I'm going somewhere, I'm going to look at the weather. I'm going to watch the weather, and sometimes I'll go around the storm if I'm able to. Sometimes I'll change my plans, and I won't go at all, um, or sometimes I just give myself extra time to get through the storm, but I do love watching that happen and watching it come in when I get, when I get to go outside. I probably would be the guy that if the tornado sirens are going off, I would go outside to stand on the porch and see what I could see, um, as long as it's not at night. If it's at night and I'm in bed and the tornado sirens go off, I just listen for a little bit from the bed. <laughs> if I don't hear a train, then I go ahead and go back to sleep. So, I mean, I, I know that's not the safest way. Please don't take that as advice. Um, that That's the advice of an idiot. So um, please don't do that. But I understand that storms are powerful and they can be dangerous. But those wall clouds, they are so beautiful to watch those roll in. Um, and I understand that we can look at the radar. We have weather on our phones. We have weather uh, available to us, information about it. Um, but here's the problem. We don't have that kind of information available to us with anything related to life or our life radar. We just don't have that. Uh, if a storm is going to come to us in life, um, we have no idea really that it's on its way. It's just going to happen. I can't see down the road. I don't know what is waiting for me tomorrow. I don't know what is going to happen next week. I don't know what is coming around the corner. I don't know what's coming next year. Now, I don't really care for that because I like to be able to prepare, and I like to understand what's going on. I like to be ready for it. But that's not the kind of information we get to have, and that can cause us some anxiety. It can cause us some frustration. Um, it can just, because anytime something happens, it's going to interrupt our lives. And I might see a light at the end of the tunnel, but we don't know what that light is. As far as I know, it could be a train, right? It could be that train coming for me. So I, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think every single person in this room desires to know what's coming for them. They want to know what storms are going to head their way in their lives. They want to know that. In fact, we all have this one thing in common, I believe, in the room today, is that we are either coming uh, out of a storm in our lives, or we're, in, we're going into a storm in our lives, or we're already in the storm, or we have a storm on the horizon and we may not even know that it's coming. We just all experience that. And since that describes all of us this morning, then here's a question I want to ask. Does anyone know about that in your life? Does anybody know? Does anyone know about the storm in your life? And here's what I mean by that. The storm either that you just came out of or the storm that you're in 
or a storm maybe that you see coming? Does anybody know about the storm in your life? Um, is there anybody at all on this planet that knows about that storm in your life? And I, I find this to be important because so often we experience those storms alone, privately. And here's why I ask the question. I, I'm going to ask you this morning to consider doing something that maybe you've never done before, but just consider it. Nobody has to. So here's what I'm going to ask. Are you ready? Would you let me and let Cole know about a storm that you might be experiencing in your life? Would you let us know? And here's how I want you to do that. Because we would like you to text us. I'm going to give you a number. Jacob, in just a moment, is going to put it on. Well, Jacob, you could go ahead and put it on the screen for us, the, the, the phone number. Here's a number. And if you would text that and just let us know what storm you're experiencing in your life. And here's why. Because we, we want to pray for you. And we want to encourage you. We want to encourage you in that storm. We don't want you to be or feel alone in that storm. And we're going to send you a text back this week. Um, we're going to pray for you. We're going to send you something, hopefully, that will be encouraging to you. And I know that might be weird, and you might be saying, whoa, dude, I, listen, this is my first day, or I, I, I'm kind of new to the church in Malvern. I, that's not something I'm interested in doing. Okay, and I understand that. And so would you, perhaps, if, if you are not, if you don't feel like that you could let Cole or I know about that storm in your life, then would you consider letting a Christ follower, someone who's following Jesus, would you text them, someone that you know, someone that you're close to, would you text them and let them know about the storm that you're experiencing? Again, because we don't want you to go through that alone. And so would you give it to that information to a Christ follower that you trust, someone that you know will walk alongside of you, someone that you know will encourage you. And we're not asking you to do this so that we can know your business. That's not why. We absolutely want to pray for you because we believe that prayer can change things. And we want to encourage you. That's, that's the only reason. We're not trying to get up in your business. So let's face it. When we face a storm, it can be scary. It, it, it can be frightening. When we face a storm, um, we understand that there are things we know, but we don't know what's going to happen to us inside that storm. It's very uncertain. And it can lead us to ask questions like, well, where is God in all of this? Um, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this happening to me? And we can ask questions. We can have statements like, this just doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why I'm going through it. We can feel desperate when we go through a storm. Those feelings um, are not something that, has, that you experience just on your own. These stormy seasons are going to make us feel out of control in our lives. 
because we feel like the waves that we're in in this storm are just going to have their way with us, that we're going to just be uh, beaten and battered and just tossed back and forth. And if you're like me at all, or if you grew up um, going to church, then perhaps your first reaction in a storm is going to be to pray. To pray. It's a good reaction. So often, though, those prayers usually sound something like this. We say, God, please remove this storm from my life. Please take it away. Please get rid of it. And if he doesn't remove the storm in our lives, then, then our prayer usually goes to this, God, why won't you remove this storm? Please remove it. And then if he doesn't, why won't you remove it, right? We, we feel that way. We want God to take this storm away. That's our primary concern so often. I don't want to deal with this storm. It has interrupted my life. It has interrupted my peace, my tranquility. It is too hard. It's not fair. I don't deserve this. And I promise, if that is you and your feeling about any storms in your life, I want you to know this. You are not alone. We all have those feelings. Now, one of the things that we teach at the church in Malvern, and where Cole is today at Stuttgart Harvest Church, we teach, because we believe Scripture clearly says this, we teach, Jesus equals God. Jesus is God, which means Jesus is all-powerful. It means he knows what is happening today. It means that whatever is getting ready to happen tomorrow and in our future, Jesus already knows what is coming down the road. He knows because Jesus is God. Now, this very concept of Jesus being God is, uh, is the very beginning part of one of the most famous biographies of Jesus, and it is, I'm just going to glance at this for just a moment. Uh, we find it in the book of John. Uh, it's his biography of Jesus. And this happened, he sat down and wrote this when he was an old man. So it was years and years and years after Jesus went to the cross, after the resurrection, after what we call the ascension, where Jesus went to heaven to be with the heavenly father. So John begins his entire biography by declaring that Jesus is God. I just want to read it. We talked on this earlier this year. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And here he says, the Word was God. That's Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing that was made that, nothing was made that has been made. Sorry, I have a potential spam. I just silent if you didn't hear it. It was in my pocket. Um, so John is clearly saying that Jesus is God, and he openly declares, he openly says, this man, Jesus, is God himself. And then, just sentences later, he goes on, and he says in verse 14, he says, the word, so that's the word he said that the word was God. Here, here's what he said. So, and the word that is God, he said, became flesh and made his dwelling 
among us. So Jesus, who is God, put on the flesh of man, which means God put on the flesh of man and made his dwelling among us. We have seen him, uh, seeing his glory uh, of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and full of truth. So there we have John telling us exactly what he saw and setting up his entire biography saying that this man, Jesus, he is God and he lived among us. Now, I started with all of that this morning because I wanted to give you a foundation and an understanding of what's coming next. Because we're going to be looking at an interaction that some people had with Jesus, but you're going to see some very God-like actions out of Jesus. So I wanted to make sure you understood very clearly this morning that Jesus is God. That's why you're going to see those God-like actions. Now, everywhere Jesus went, Jesus drew a crowd. He knew how to draw a large crowd. And he had been teaching in this snapshot that we're going to be reading this morning. He had been teaching, and he tells his disciples that they're going to go to the other side of this giant lake. It's a lake um, not like a lake we would be accustomed to. This is a giant body of water. He says, we're going to go to the other side. And here's where we pick up Mark's biography, and he gives us this account. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. They're getting ready to get on the water. So this all-knowing God named Jesus invites these guys into a boat ride. He invited them knowing exactly what they were getting ready to face, exactly what was coming their way. Now, this is one way that Cole and I often describe this all-knowing Jesus. Think with me for just a moment. It's kind of like um, Jesus has uh, a view of a parade very much different than us. For us, we would stand on Main Street and we would see it pass by. We could see once, uh, kind of once a float turned the corner, we could begin to see it until it turned another corner, then we couldn't see it anymore. But God's, God is outside of our time, even Jesus. And Jesus has a view we don't have. So Jesus has like, let's consider it maybe like an aerial view. And so Jesus has a view where he can see the staging area around the corner. He can see what's coming down Main Street, and he can see the area where everything is finished around the other corner. We don't have that view. So Jesus can see everything that's coming. And I want to add this as well. Jesus also could influence that parade any way he chose to. He can. He has that ability to influence the parade. But he also has a view of what other people are doing and choosing related to that parade. In fact, he knows that when they turn the corner, he can see what maybe is coming towards them. Now, here's what I want to focus on for just a moment. Jesus knew this storm was coming, and yet he invites them along. He knew what was around the corner when he invited them into the boat, but yet 
he invited them into the boat. And I want you to know this in your life right now. Jesus knows what's around your corner as well. Jesus knows what's coming your way. Now, here's one thing that is frustrating to us because we don't know. Now, Jesus, some of the things that come into your life are things that Jesus has placed in your life. But there's other things in your life too. There's other storms coming your way. You see, we're going to have some storms of some bad decisions and bad choices that we've made. And Jesus knows what's coming down the road because of those choices we've made. We don't know what's coming. Jesus sees it coming. But you know, he also sees coming what the evil one might choose to do in your life to you. Because after all, we live in a world that is broken and fallen, and the evil one is going to be involved in your life. So Jesus knows what's coming your way from him. But because we live in this broken world, we have a world full of people who have been hurt. And what do we know about people who have been hurt? We who have been hurt turn around and hurt. Jesus understands what's going to happen in your life because of the hurt that someone else may thrust into your life. And then Jesus understands too, and he knows what's coming. There may be something in a relationship, in a friendship. It may be someone you have no idea of, but they may thrust upon your life consequences and hurt out of their own lives. And I want you to know, even in that storm, Jesus knows what's coming down your road and down my road. He knows the storms. He understands the storms. So, just like he knows about what's about to happen in this boat filled with these men and these followers, this is how the story progresses in verse 36. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind and although other boat although other boats did follow verse 37. Soon, oh, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Verse 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Now think about this. These men are in the middle of the storm. The storm is happening all around them and happening on them, right? And as we read this, our focus is on Jesus who is sleeping, sleeping the storm away. But we can't miss this fact. We focus on him sleeping. But I think the big point is this. Jesus was still in the storm with them. He was there. Everything that was happening to them in the storm was happening to Jesus. He was there. But he wasn't acting the way the disciples wanted him to act. 
He, he wasn't acting the way they expected or thought that he should be acting. In fact, his, he didn't give them the response that they wanted. His response was, well, he was staying asleep. <laughs> they didn't expect that. But still, Jesus was in the boat. And I want us to remember, let's take a quick glance back at what God tells us in Hebrews when he reminds us in Hebrews 13, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And know this, in this storm, Jesus was still in the boat. We don't know if Jesus caused the storm or not. We have no idea. We're not told. In fact, it really doesn't do any good to speculate. All we know is there was a storm, and he was there with them. And he knew, because he's God, he knew it was coming. He knew what was about to happen. And Jesus was in that storm right along with them. And for you, for me, if we are in a storm, and if you have placed your life in him, then we are guaranteed that he is in the storm beside you, with you. Our focus this morning is very simple. Ultimately, the storm won't be pointless. God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a trial. Now, I have no idea what is happening in your life right now. I don't know. Your life might be turned upside down. It might be filled with things that there is absolutely no way that you would be willing to text to Cole and I. I don't know. You may never, ever consider sharing that storm with us. I understand that, but I believe this. I believe that scriptures teach this, and I also believe that there are piles of evidence all around us that speak to this every single day and prove it. All of the storms in our lives, no matter what they are, somehow they can still bring something good into and out of our lives. This storm doesn't have to be purposeless. Let's go back to the account. Verse 38 says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And honestly, I, I don't know the reason why Mark included this portion of the story in Scripture. I don't know why he did that. I, I'm not sure how to take that and and make it into an amazing teaching moment i i i mean maybe maybe we can say that if you're in jesus that no matter what storm you're in you can still rest maybe we could say that maybe we could say that if jesus is not freaking out then maybe whatever storm we're in maybe we don't have to freak out either i'm not sure i don't know that those are the points i don't know that but just maybe Mark included this in the biography simply because 
That's what happened. Jesus was there in the storm, and he was asleep. But you know who else was there? Peter was there. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of theologians and historians that believe that the account that that Mark is writing in his uh, gospel and his biography is actually the account of Peter, which is being recorded by Mark. There's a lot of reasons why they believe that, and and they're pretty convincing. But Peter is in that boat, and and this is so interesting to me because Peter does not try to hide the truth. Mark does not try to hide the truth that they were afraid. They were freaking out. And even though this truth makes Peter and makes the other disciples look weak and look like maybe a little bit less than men, maybe uh, uh, faithless, they still include it in this biography. I don't know if you know this or not, but that's one of the ways that, uh, that, that adds authentication to antique and ancient documents like this is when the people who are writing it and the people who are in the story portray themselves as less than the hero because that's real life. If we're being made up, there's, they, they would portray themselves as a hero, as not afraid. So the writer here, Mark, has included this fact. They've written themselves into the story because it happened that way, and they're telling the truth about their reaction to this storm. I think my reaction would be a lot the same. I I think I can agree with them 100%. I, I think I would be saying, screaming, yelling, Jesus, we're about to drown. This ship is going down. This storm is going to take us out. I can relate to that. I have felt that in my life. You may have felt that as well. You may have had those feelings that say, I can't do this. I'm in the storm. I can't do this. Why is this happening to me? Why why did this happen? I don't deserve this. Jesus, I'm drowning. In this story, it's all so relatable. And I'm not going to stand up here this morning and try to offer you some deep theological reasons about why we shouldn't feel that way. But I do want to make an attempt to connect this story and that story that we find in Scripture with your story and my story. Now, we taught on this recently. Um, just want to mention it. It's something that we taught from the brother of Jesus. His name is James. And he wrote not too many years after his brother, Jesus, ascended into heaven. And I mention this because I really want you to consider what James is saying, especially related to what we're talking about today. 
Because here is an important piece of the context. We're getting ready to read something that on the surface, it, when you hear it, it sounds ridiculous. And you say, there's no way that it just, that, that does not sound reasonable. But we're hearing it from James. James, who saw his brother horrendously beaten, tortured, and crucified. James, who watched his mother watch her son killed. Now, James and Jesus probably grew up together. We know James is younger than Jesus. But James witnessed, because he would have been around in Jerusalem, he witnessed these things happening to Jesus. By the way, he did not believe Jesus was God until he talked to his brother after he walked out of the tomb. So James watched all of this happen to Jesus. He watched his mother in all of this, watching her son, watching all this happen to her son. And after seeing his brother resurrected, here is what James, now following Jesus, wrote about storms. James chapter 1, verse 2. He said, consider it pure joy. Now that word indicates kind of gladness or a calm delight, a cheerfulness, something we don't um, relate to storms. But he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And as James was writing this, there were Christians who were being put to death and being fed to lions. And James understood trials of many kinds. He knew what he was saying. He knew what he was writing. And this is such a powerful message from the gospel to say that we can have joy and gladness in the face of whatever storm we're in. He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials because you know, in verse 3, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance that can also be translated endurance. It's the, the ability to keep standing through the storm. When life is trying to take you out, you stand, you endure. And he said, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. James, who experienced trials. James, who saw what happened to his brother, Jesus. James understands tests and trials, and he says they produce endurance. He's saying that the follower of Jesus will be made complete, lacking nothing, mature. And here's why that's so important for us today, because you are dealing with some kind of storm. You may be in the middle of some kind of trial. Maybe so. But on the other side of it, you will be one step closer to being, as James says, completed. 
And know this, I, I, I truly believe this. Even though I know this, and I know that that is what James said, I still want Jesus to wake up. I, I still want Jesus to take the storm away. Jesus is still in the boat. The storm is churning away. But he's asleep. And I want to wake Jesus up. Wake up, Jesus. Help. Don't you know what's going on? Why aren't you taking this away? Why aren't you fixing this? Because I know you can. Why? Wake up. Wake up quick, Jesus. Because I think I'm going down. Because in storms, we want God to do a removing job when maybe he wants to do, according to James, an improving job. Maybe there's more to these storms than we can see right now. Let's go back to Jesus. I want to read to you the next portion in in a paraphrase. It places this story uh, very poetically uh, with what Jesus is going to do next. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. This is Jesus talking about him. It says, awake now. That's Jesus. He told the wind to pipe down and said to the sea, quiet, settle down. The wind ran out of breath and the sea became smooth as glass. Jesus reprimanded the disciples. Why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? You see, Jesus knew what he was inviting them into. Jesus knew what was going to happen when he invited them to join him. When he stepped into their boat on that lake, he knew what was coming. He knew the storm that was headed their way. He understood it. And yet Jesus invited them to join him in the storm, even though he didn't tell them about the storm. So whatever you're dealing with right now, or whatever you have just come out of, or whatever is on the horizon that you may not know is headed your way, it may be family drama. It's a good time of year for family drama. It may be problems at school, difficulties at work. It may be an addiction. It may be anger. It may be selfishness. I, it really doesn't matter what it is, but I want you to know this. Jesus is already there. And if you're in Christ, no matter what the storm is or the origin of the storm, then he's right there with you. He's in the middle of your storm. And I know. I, I know that this is a super easy thing to say, especially for a teacher. 
And it's a whole lot harder to live in that understanding. It's a whole lot harder to live like this when you're in the storm. But I'm just pleading with you to stay with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. And just maybe, just possibly, he's going to use this storm to improve you, to change you, to grow your faith. And through it all, you'll come out the other side. Like his brother James once wrote, you'll come out the other side mature and complete. So in this season, my encouragement for you is this. Let's stick with Jesus. And just maybe we can find out together that in storms, yeah, we want God to do a removing job when maybe he's busy completing in you and in me an improving job. That was a really big point for James when he wrote about that. His friends, the other followers of Jesus, they were facing, for us, unimaginable storms. So James wants to remind them. He wants to plead with them. We have a Savior in the storm with us. We have a Savior that understands and knows how to calm the storm and how to calm me in the storm. And it's as if James is pointing back to that storm that Jesus was in with his disciples and saying, remember, Jesus was there. James, it's as if he's saying, remember, Jesus is the one who healed the blind man. It was a miracle. And he's saying, remember? Jesus is the one who, take, who, who would take a, a, a man who was disabled and couldn't walk, and he would make him walk. And James is saying, it's a miracle. Remember? He's the one who took the outcast and made them clean. It's a miracle. Remember? James is saying, we serve a Savior. Remember who raised Lazarus from the dead? It was a miracle. Remember? And we serve a Savior who defeated death himself just like he said he would. And this morning, we just simply want to remind you of the same thing. I don't know your story. I might not know the storm that you're in. But I'm certain of this. The same God that calmed that storm is with you whatever storm you might be in right now. So I just ask this. Would you let us, and by us I don't just mean Cole and myself, would you let us, the church in Malvern, 
maybe be in that storm with you as well. Would you tell us about it? Would you let us pray for you? Would you let us weep with you? Just as James said, brothers and sisters, with whatever trial you're facing, whatever storm has come your way, consider it pure joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking in nothing. So as we began this morning, let me just simply put that phone number on the screen again. James is going to do that for me. And if you're in a storm right now, would you let us know? And this week, we promise to pray for you. And sometime this week, we're going to shoot you a text trying to encourage you. So that's really our next step today. But wait, there's more. I hope that you'll decide right now. Laura said just a moment ago, she reminded you that small groups have ended for this trimester. But we're going to be signing up again for the next trimester of small groups. That's going to happen. We'll sign up in January, and groups will launch in fe sometime in February. And so I want to encourage you right now to go ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of a group. Even though we're taking a break right now for, for a matter of, of uh, weeks, sign-up happens in January. We're going to start them sometime in February, and I hope you'll be a part because we don't want you to be in a storm alone. And, and at the Church of Malvern and Stuttgart Harvest Church, here's what we say about small groups. Care starts there. It's difficult for us to make you feel cared for in a room this size. And that's why we get life on life. We get around other people. Even when we have to drag ourselves there, we get around other people. And by the time we leave, we say, I'm glad I did it. And that's also your first lifeline. When the storm comes your way, those are the people that you know you're going to see on that night. And care can start there. It's a huge part of who we are as a church, and we hope you'll be a part of a group. But here's the last part of our next steps this morning. Maybe this morning, as we have begun to talk about the storm in your life, maybe for the first time in your life, you're saying this, yeah, I'm, I'm in a storm. And maybe for you, for the first time, your storm, because after all, you're here today, and maybe your storm has, is driving you right now toward Jesus. And we described a moment ago, if you're in Christ, we said he's in that storm with you. And so what does it mean to be in Christ? So very quickly, I just want to say this. When you come to the place in your life where you give up the control of your life, the care and the control of your life to Jesus. It's us saying, I've been living my life my way, making my decisions my way, but I realize that Jesus died on the cross for me. He died for those sins that I can't forgive, that I can't get rid of, but that's what he did. He did it. 
and I stopped following myself. I stopped making myself the king of my own life, the boss of my own life, and I'm going to make Jesus. I'm going to declare, Jesus, you are the boss of my life. And I stop following my way, and I start pursuing Jesus. That is transferring that ownership from me to Jesus. And if that's what you're doing, I I, I just want you to know, all you have to do is simply in your heart right now is tell Jesus, I'm transferring my life to you. I'm asking you to take control of my life. I'm giving it to you. You laid down your life for me. You died on the cross, and now I'm giving my life to you. And if your storm has driven you to Jesus right now, then I just simply want to say, if that's the message of your heart and you're telling Jesus that right now, then he spiritually has taken your life and placed it in his hand. The Bible describes that that's kind of what God the Father does. He places your life in the hand of Jesus, and Jesus said, everyone who has landed in my hand, I have never lost, I've never let go, and I want you to know, If that's you right now, you've given the care and the control of of your life over to Jesus, then you are in his hand, and he is in the storm with you. And oh, I hope you'll let us know. Scott and Laura talked about this thing called the connection card, and and they made a comment that that we talk about next steps at the end of the teaching time. And and that would be an opportunity for you to let us know, to let me know today that, that you are taking a step with us. And if that step is to make Jesus the boss of your life, would you please let us know so that we can get you some information. We want to help you have a good start. Now. Three steps. The first one is, would you just simply text us? Let us know your storm. The second step is, would you make a commitment now, a decision now, that I'm going to be a part of a small group when they sign up next? And the third one is, if you just made Jesus the boss of your life, would you let us know? So we can encourage you, we can celebrate with you. God doesn't waste a hurt. In the middle of the storm, he's busy completing a great work in those who are in Christ. Let's pray. God, so often we ask you to remove that storm that we're in. We ask you to take it away. We ask you to get rid of it. But God, if you don't choose to get rid of it. Will you help us trust you? Would you help us trust you as you improve our lives, even when we don't understand how it's happening? Knowing that you care. Knowing that you are in there with us, right beside us, if we have placed our lives in your care and control. In fact, we're promised that in your spirit, that your spirit actually is in us. And God, we know that you won't waste a hurt. You won't waste my pain. And as best as we can right now, as best as I can right now, we trust you, Jesus, with our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things.